Welcome to this edition of the Million Dollar Mastermind Podcast. This is where we pick the brains of high achievers from all walks of life and get their hard-earned, real-world insights on winning. I'm your host, Larry Wydell. I would say probably around the age of 10, 11. Yeah. Most people, most people, or most, at least women, retire usually around 15 when they either, it's like a make it or break it kind of age, 14, 15. Am I going to continue doing this every day for multiple hours a day? Or am I really going to go hang with my friends and see what life has to offer? Um, and so I would say around 10, 11 is when I really start to get, get that competitive itch and feel like I had to start performing in order to continue to move forward, continue to advance. Um, and I worked really hard for every, every piece of every element, every edge, uh, was something I really had to work towards. And I have had one coach that was, um, pretty defining in my career there. And he told me one day, he said, Kate, you're, you're really good at a lot of things, but you're not great at one. Yeah. And that has stuck with me forever. Um, and I realized I said to myself, like, I, I want to be great. I want to be known for something. Yeah. Um, and so that was a pretty defining moment for me um, when he said that and decided that that was the path and I wanted to be great at skating and I, that's where I was going to go. How old were you? I must have been around 13 at that point. Uh-huh. And uh, it's, it was getting competitive. At that point, it already had gotten competitive, I guess. Right. Yeah. We're competing at a regional level at that point. Um, and then when I moved to Montreal is really when I started competing more at a provincial national level to the world championships. And as you, you know, you started focusing on being great, what was the part of your skating that became your greatest strength? And how long did it take you to get to where you said, you uh-huh. know, I know winners and I know champions and they never really feel they're that good. <laughs> Mm. what causes them to keep improving every day but at some point along the way you notice that you're a whole lot better than a whole lot of people and where did you uh start getting that in your Mm. mind uh you know a a kind of confidence Confidence. comes from accomplishment you know Mm. it is such an ironic thing eh how we the more we get better, the more skilled or more competence we get at something. Sometimes our confidence actually doesn't follow parallel to that. Um, but I would say I started to get um, my confidence. I'm a ve- I was a very, um, how do I describe this? Like emotional skater. You could always really feel um, my presence on the ice. And I think that was really what um, I started to tap into is learning how to communicate with the audience through my eyes, through my, from, through my hands, through my body language, um, and really create a performance around. Um, so not just about the jumps or not just about the elements, but really about making the audience feel something. Now, are these things yeah. that you wind up, it's one thing we all know that, you know, it's like the Boy Scout pledge, you know, blah, 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 beast, mm-hmm. you know, let it go, whatever. But when you're going through, you're living through it, you have to kind of talk through it and reasons you have to get it uh, in your head and when you're living it in your face to face and you're yeah. by things out of your control i mean uh how did you come to that you know you it's a mature uh hmm. look at it and so did you how did you come to that, that with the coach uh is that something you you know you come off you deal with it you get in there and huddle up 
and, you know, talk yourself through it to where, okay, uh, mm-hmm. you got that talked out and we're back, back on it uh, again, harder than ever. Uh, how do you have to work through that and who played a role in that? What made the difference? What made the difference? I think uh, the part that comes up for me the most, we were in Germany at a competition and we overheard um, another country's drug judge talking to another to their team saying, hey, did you like what I did with the Danish team? So we uh, overheard them being like, and uh, that for me was like, a, this isn't just a concept we think is happening. This is something that really happens. Um, and that was a very challenging moment because <clears throat> it... Um, solidified what you were thinking. It wasn't just like, oh, we think we're good and we're being placed lower. Um, It was, so that was a pretty challenging moment. And we brought that to our coach and um, he essentially said something around the lines of like, um, and how can we influence that? How can we change that? And we were like, well, we can't. That's what they're doing. And like, they're doing it anyways. And he said, well, then you just have to be that much better. You have to work that much harder. And so if these are what, if these are the cards you're dealt and this is what you're playing against, how, how do you get around that? You have to be so undeniably good that they can't. And so that was kind of about your coach. Let me ask you about your coach. Had your coach competed? How did your coach, how did your coach know to tell you that? Because I'm telling you people right now, if you've got a life coach or you got a mentor and you go through a thing like that, okay. And you don't get that answer. <laughs> you don't get that coaching. Get rid of your coach. Okay. Yeah. And uh, it's like, I just, you know, there was an article in the paper about Bill Parcells, which I'm sure you don't know much about, but he was the head coach of the uh, uh, Giants, New York Giants football. Ah, yeah. yeah. And he won two Super Bowls. But before he won the first one, the year before, they went and lost a playoff game in Chicago. Mm. And they're riding back on the plane. And uh, I've got this story in my book. They're riding back on the plane and across from him, he had his, on his staff, he had his high school football coach. And Oh, uh, wow. You know, and this is a guy who was always, it's like his sidekick, you know, to kind of keep him balanced, you know. And yeah. uh, they're driving, you know, they're flying back. And uh, finally, Bill looks over at his coach. He said, they're really good. <laughs> oh, he said, they're really good. And, you know, the coach told him, he said, yep, and you still got to find a way to beat him. <laughs> exactly. How do you be undeniably greater? And see, if you don't get yep. that answer from whoever's coaching you, get rid of them, you know, totally. because get they don't know, you know, because it's that <clears throat> when you're facing that kind of challenge, you're, and we all are, you know, to get mm-hmm. over the hump. You got to have someone who's not going to make you softer and give you more yeah. excuses. We can think of all the excuses ourselves about how it wasn't right and this and the other. But, yeah, uh, you know, and Parcells figured it out and he won two Super Bowls. And so the thing is that he had it in him and you guys had it in you. So what happened after that? I mean, you had that. They said you just got to be that much better. Yeah, we went we went back to work. We made our programs harder. We trained harder. Uh, and we were more committed than ever, to be very honest. Um, I, it lit a fire in me. And I, I'm someone who, um, if you give me a goal and you tell me I will do everything in my power, sometimes that can also be a weakness, but um, to go and achieve that. And I was like, you know what? You're right. 
we really need to make sure that we're putting everything that we can into this. And instead of playing the victim and saying, oh, why does this happen to us? Why do we do, why do we escape for this country? Maybe we should change. It was like, no, let's, okay, fine. Let's go prove to them that we, we are better and we can do this every single time. Yeah. And so uh, what happened in your company? How did the competitions go? And how did that, uh, you know, uh, how did that play out? Yep. So we reached um, junior world championships and world championships that year. Um, we ended up placing um, relative, not not relatively high, um, but still being the first team in the history of the country of Denmark to ever make it to world championships. Um, so that was a pretty uh, phenomenal feat for us and for for the country. There had never been anyone who represent Denmark um, at that level of sport in ice dance. And I think it actually had a lot of uh, repercussions later for us as well, where we started actually um, in our visualizations prior to the competition and in our prep- preparation, we'd um, almost train for adversity. So right. we'd imagine like what could go wrong. Okay, yeah. skates couldn't show up, uh, bus gets delayed, or we have to take a whatever the thing was. Um, you don't have the right food at the hotel that you could, whatever the thing is. Right. Yeah. And so we would plan for that and visualize that in our minds. And so it's about not thinking about bad things, but it's thinking about what is your response in that moment to how you deal with that? What is the next right step that I can take? Um, and so we did a lot of work on planning for that kind of adversity that could come our way. So then when it does come, you're much more equipped to deal with it. Yeah. And that reminds me of Bobby Knight, the great basketball college basketball mm. coach wrote a book about it's like the power of negative thinking. Mm. <laughs> you yeah. know, start thinking, well, what if this went wrong? What if this went wrong? How, how am I going to react that, uh, you know, in that situation, because you know, uh, uh, things are not going to always go perfect. And so you might as for well. Sure. Think about sure how did that train, how did that change and what kind of advantage did that give you uh, mm. to do that and preparing yourself like that? I would say that to your point about like being anxious or getting worried, um, it created actually a, quite a sense of calm because then you know that you're equipped to deal with whatever comes your way and you've prepared for that and you have already the answer of how you're going to do that. Um, so I remember actually feeling quite calm going into competition after that. Yeah. Much and more so- calm. You know, and, and another one of those situations is now, uh, you know, you've lost your athletic ability and you got to change careers. So it's like, what can I yeah. do? I've got to focus now on what I can do because, you know, my body's not, my leg's not coming back. You know, no. it, it's, you know, my, my skating leg and hip and everything is not my team. No, no. And no. so now what can I do? So talk about that transition. Wow. Um, it was actually, so there's, there is quite a sense of, of grief in that because you lose an identity um, in that moment uh, um, because you identify, like I was, hi, I'm Kate, I'm a figure skater. That was who I was. It was everything that I am and had been for the last, uh, my, my whole life, essentially. Um, and so there was a big sense of who am I and who do, who do I want to be um, and, and what else can I do in this world? And I knew when I did make that decision to retire that I, that there was much more to life than sport. Um, and I was very intentional about making sure that I completed that as well, knowing that like I had done everything that I wanted with this sport. Um, I had reached an elite level um, and and learned a tremendous amount. And so um, I remember sitting in the fourth floor of my business school and calling my coach and telling her that this was it for me. Um, but knowing that ultimately I wanted to do 
probably some sort of business or marketing or something like that. Um, and so the transition for me was, I was very fortunate actually in um, one of my marketing classes, we had to do like presentations, like you do, like, this is our project. And yeah. And one of the girls who was sitting in the very back of the class saw me present and because I love to be on stage and perform. And that was oh. my nature. She came up to me after class. She said, you, you need to do case competitions. You need to, we, so at the school that I was at, they were very, very highly ranked in international uh, case competitions for um, essentially you competed on a business case around the world. And so, so what's, I, a, what's a case competition? I yeah. So essentially you have uh, a business, could be any sort of business. They have a problem they're trying to solve and they bring it to a group of students um, to come up with the answer. And so you would, we've went to Spain, I went to Alberta, I went to a whole bunch of different ones. Um, and so schools from all around the world come and compete at this competition to come up with the best solution to the company's problem. Um, and the, the judges are the actual company who are trying to solve this problem. Um, and so I got into that program um, and was fortunate enough to do very, very well there. Um, and again, traveled the world and, and did competitions there and was able to channel that like performance competitor side of me into something uh, quite productive quite quickly. How long did um, you do that? Um, I would have done that for two, two and a half years. Wow. What amount yeah. of experience you got now? So you would show up in Spain or someplace. And you would have no idea what you were going to, the problem is, so how many other teams were there? Um, the biggest one had 24. And wow. so you have, uh, and there's two different cases. So the first one is you have three hours to solve it. So essentially you go into a room with your, with your small team and every team gets the same case. Um, and then the best answer or the best solution wins. Um, and then you have it. All 24 uh, make a presentation. How, yep. how long are the presentations? Usually about 30 minutes. Wow. So you got to listen yeah. to 24 30-minute presentations. <laughs> I'm thinking that's 12 hours. And yeah. so it goes over two I days. <laughs> remember what the first people said. You know? <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. Um, yeah. and then and then the other then the other side of it is you have a 24-hour case, which means you get you can put a lot more research into it, takes a bit more time, is a more complete answer. Um, and then ultimately they judge the winner. So I think when it comes down to marketing, especially from a B2B perspective, you have to be looking at um, where your customers already are. And what I mean by that is that if you are looking at small, medium businesses, or you're looking at uh, the business I work for now is uh, actually a sperm testing and freezing business. So we talk a lot about like where men go for information. Um, it's thinking about really where are they already and how do you be in those places? Um, and so I think, especially in the B2B world, you really have to think through how do you deliver value? How do you really educate them on how to make them better uh, business owners, how to make them better marketers? Uh, because those are the things that these customers need and are looking for. And so how do you be in those places? Um, so the driving of the business came a lot through digital advertising, events, um, heavily, heavily present online um, and really making sure that we're hitting all those touch points where these people are already looking for information or going. Yeah, find out where they're already looking and make sure you're there. You know, the intersection exactly. of where they're looking, where they're going, you know. And uh, the, uh, so you leave this company and you go, now did you, is the, this, is that where you are now with uh, Legacy? Uh, no, so there were two businesses uh, in between that, but now I'm at a company called Legacy. Yeah. And so how to talk about, uh, you know, how you move through those businesses 
and why you're at Legacy now. So I went to a, a small organization. What we see yeah. is a person getting established because you don't know what you don't, uh, you know, you don't know. And then mm-hmm. you work and you maximize the situation. You move on to the next one and you maximize yep. that one. And that's either long-term or short-term. But then, you know, you, you're creating options. Eventually you settle into uh, things, but you work your way into it. And so what we're hearing mm-hmm. is, uh, you know, championship athlete coming out of that, working your way through uh, uh, success and where success takes you. And success mm-hmm. can take you to some big places. But, you know, at 32, you're, you know, you've got so many successes in front of you, Uh, (laughs) your family, you know, we already got the family started and, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, you got this great life. But it came from these principles and approaches uh, about uh, uh, making things happen, responding to challenges and those lessons you've learned. And now it's going to continue to fire your growth going forward. And so talk about how you move through those two companies to the legacy. Yep. So the first one was a consumer research business, um, much smaller. Um, again, we built a marketing team there and, and, and re, really reworked on their brand, uh, but ultimately um, didn't feel um, aligned with, with, with their product and really what I wanted to be doing. So I ended up moving to another very big uh, company in based in Montreal. Now, wait a minute, Plus wait a minute. Let me, let me stop you. Sure. <laughs> aligned with their product and what they were doing. Now, mm. how long did it take to find that out? Um, I was only at that business for about 10 months, so not very long. Yeah. And so yeah. there, there's certain things you need to be, you know, uh, this comes up all the time. You, you know, you got to be flexible and you got to adapt to reality. Totally. And, you know, you look at things from the outside. There, There is a way you can look at decision making and say if you're an intelligent person you never make a bad decision you make a good decision at because none of us are going to make a bad decision for ourselves but we make mm-hmm. the best decision based off the information we have at the time and yep. so if you did make a decision and you did about that company like man this is exciting i want to get into that and then it starts to once you're behind the door, uh it's like well not mm-hmm. so much. You don't have to hate it. You don't have to be, you know, bad. Yeah. It's just like mm, not a fit long term. And so exactly. it took you like 10 months to not only see that, but also to see your next step. Yep. I think you bring up a really good point about decision making. Um, and I think a lot of people struggle to make a decision. Um, but I think ultimately you just need to decide. And once you make a decision, you move on to something else. You'll either get into that and decide. This is this was where I want to go, or you need to make another decision right. to then go out. Um, and so I think it's really coming down to just making that decision. And and in that, um, I, it was clear to me that that wasn't where I was supposed to be long term. And so I just decided, okay, great, have no hard no hard feelings. There's nothing here, just not the right fit for me. Um, so I moved to a company called Plusgrade, um, which is in the ancillary revenue space for travel. Um, and my first day was actually the first day of the pandemic. So if you can imagine, I joined a travel company in the pandemic, um, yeah. which was <laughs> quite an experience. Um, but ultimately, I stayed there for uh, just over two years. I was their VP of product marketing. And so really helped um, them come up with. So I ran their entire marketing function, um, 
really focused on like, how do we brand this? How do we talk about what we do well? Um, how do we really drive ultimately more sales uh, for these ancillary revenue uh, managers and the travel companies that they represent? Um, had a fantastic, fantastic leader there. Um, and he really um, was an incredible mentor to me. Uh, but what I realized in, in, in that time is I ended up having my first baby and realizing that I wanted to do something a bit more meaningful um, for me and something that related a little bit more to where I was in my life at that time. Um, and so a friend of mine who was working at Legacy um, reached out to me and essentially said, Kate, you're the best marketer I know. And we really need someone who um, is going to help us communicate this thing that nobody knows that they should be doing or need to be doing. Um, and it was in the fertility business. And so for me, if I was able to help other people have that same sense of joy and um, j just this opportunity had to have a have a baby was something that really resonated quite closely to me. And so I made the jump from really heavily B2B sales, B2B marketing to direct to consumer uh, into fertility and sperm, which is uh -huh. <laughs> totally different, uh, totally yeah, different topic. And so how's that transition uh, been for you? Has it been uh, uh, an eye opener? Has it been, uh, uh, you know, some kind of educational thing or has it been what you thought it would be? Yeah. Um, I think the biggest thing I, I realized in the transition from business to business marketing to D2C is that ultimately people are just people. Yeah. And people think that there's such a difference between marketing like software products versus marketing consumer products. And for me, it's the same. Because yeah. you're ultimately talking to someone on the end of that, on the end of that conversation, on the end of that ad or whatever you're doing. Um, and so that was probably the biggest, um, like, not revelation, but the biggest thing I learned. Um, but I learned so much about fertility, which is crazy, yeah. and sperm and all the things that it does. So it's been a, a really great experience. And I've got to do some very, very creative marketing um, that I haven't got to do anywhere else. So very happy so far. Thanks for listening to the Million Dollar Mastermind. If you felt there were any valuable takeaways from this episode, please take a minute and leave us a five-star review. Your feedback is important and really helps us get the word out to a wider audience. Remember, we have a valuable webinar that is absolutely free. Register for it right now at whitealanwinning.com. Thanks for listening.